one of the highlights of my day is when I come home from work and walk through the door and I greet my wife and my two little girls. I love to pick up my two daughters and give them a hug and embrace them. As a father, I long to be with and to spend time with my children. And our Heavenly Father, your Heavenly Father, longs to spend time with you, to live in communion with you. Jesus used the word abide. Abiding is maintaining unbroken fellowship. And Jesus modeled for us what an abiding relationship with God looks like. While here on earth, he maintained unbroken fellowship with his heavenly Father. And in John 17, he prayed that you and I would experience the same thing. He prayed for us. He asked the Lord to give us an abiding relationship with God. So let me ask you, what's keeping you from abiding in Christ? What's interfering in your relationship with God? On Friday night, August 22nd, we're going to come together as one church at one location, and we're going to seek the Lord. We're going to do it in a few different ways. We're going to sing together. Uh, we're going to open up God's Word and read God's Word together, and we're going to pray together. We're going to pray for ourselves. We're going to pray for others. We're going to pray for Genesis Church. We're going to pray, Lord, help us abide in you. It's going to be a special night. I'm excited about it. I hope you'll be there. I hope to see you on Friday night, August 22nd. Well, I want to invite you uh, to turn in your Bibles, if you brought them, to Matthew chapter 6 and just hold your place there. Uh, this morning we're going to wrap up this series that we've been in now. This is our fourth week. Uh, it's the series called The Circle Maker, and we've been talking uh, the last few weeks about prayer. And I hope this series has been encouraging for you. I hope that it's been helpful in your prayer life. I hope that these are some things that you've begun to, uh, to implement in your prayer life and that you've begun to see a new consistency and... Uh, and even a new um, just desperation, really, for prayer. Um, remember last week, we talked about the passage where Jesus says, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? And I want to ask you this morning, have you been faithful in your prayers this week? And, and that question is not meant to induce any kind of guilt uh, for you. Uh, it's just a question. But maybe if there is some conviction there, maybe it points toward something that you know that you could or, or maybe even should be doing differently in your prayer, prayer life. God desires for us to be faithful in our communication with him. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faithfulness in you? Will he find faithfulness in me? That's what this whole series has been about. And last week, specifically, uh, we talked about persistence in our prayers. And this morning, what I want to do is I want to talk about praying for the long term. And you may be wondering, well, how is that any different? How, how is praying for the long term any different than being persistent in our prayers? Well, last week was really pointed towards a specific prayer request or a specific circumstance uh, that we need to pray through. In the parable we read last week, Jesus said that the point is to always pray and to never give up. And we challenge you to think about a prayer that maybe you gave up on too soon. Maybe it's time to resurrect that prayer. And this week, what I want you to see is that regardless of your circumstance, regardless of the life season that you may be in, uh, there are some long-term prayers that Jesus has called us to be faithful to. I'm afraid that some of us fall into this pattern of seeing our prayer life really ramp up when things get tough or when life doesn't make sense. And we cry out to God in those moments, and he has invited us to do that. It's, it's 1 Peter 5, 7, right, where it says that we can cast all our anxieties on God because he cares for us. 
But when we think about praying long-term, this is where the discipline of prayer really comes in. This is where prayer becomes a consistent part of our daily lives. It's not affected by our circumstances. It's not specific to one particular season. These are things for us to pray today and to pray tomorrow and next year and 50 years from now because they're long-term prayers. Mark Batterson, in his book, The Circle Maker, uh, he shares a story that illustrates what thinking and praying long-term looks like. He tells about a small island in Sweden in the middle of Lake Vatern, and on that island is a large oak forest. But the oak trees are not indigenous to the island, and for more than 100 years, uh, people were, were questioning, how did, how did these oak trees get here? And then in 1980, the Swedish Navy received a letter from the forestry department that said, in effect... The lumber you ordered is ready. And after some research, they found out that in 1829, the Swedish parliament had anticipated a shortage of lumber for building ships at the end of the 20th century. And knowing that oak trees take about 150 years to mature, they ordered 20,000 trees to be planted on that island. That's what it means to think long term. And when it comes to our prayer life, God wants us to also be thinking long-term. When we step outside of the urgency of today, what are some things that we should be praying for on a consistent, long-term basis? Well, the Lord does not leave us on our own to figure that out. Jesus, in his great grace, gave us a roadmap to use for these long-term daily prayers. And it's found in Matthew chapter 6. If you're using uh, one of the Bibles from the, the row there, this is on page 678. And by the way, if you don't own a Bible, uh, I'd like you to keep one of those. It's our gift to you. But this passage in Matthew chapter 6 is part of a greater teaching of Jesus, a, a pretty popular teaching of Jesus called the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount uh, is essentially all of Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And the portion of it that we're going to look at today, I think a lot of us will be familiar with it, even if you've never read it before. I, I bet you've heard it. Uh, you've maybe even spoken these words before. It's commonly referred to as the Lord's Prayer. And it starts in verse 9 of Matthew chapter 6. I want to read all the way through it. And then I want to come back to the beginning and work through it section by section. And I want to give you five words or five phrases uh, to consider when you're praying these daily long-term prayers. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 9. This is Jesus talking, and he says this. He says, this then is how you should pray. And, uh, and we don't usually do this here at Genesis Church, but could we read this together? Could we read this out loud together? Say it with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let me pray for us this morning. Father God, I thank you uh, that in your holiness, in your sovereignty, uh, that you desire communication with us, your children, that you have invited us to come to you with our needs, with our wants, with our desires, but Lord, also that you have given us a model for prayer right here in Matthew chapter 6. And I pray that as we work through this passage today, Father, that you would find our hearts open, our minds ready to learn from your spirit, and God, that you would lead us in truth today. If there is, is some way that we've been praying that's not glorifying to you or, or that's ineffective, Father, would you point that out and would you correct it in us today? We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Notice that he doesn't say this is what you should pray. Jesus doesn't want us to just mindlessly repeat these words. As if, and if we're being honest, you know, those of us who grew up saying this prayer out loud, there were probably some times when we just mindlessly repeated these words, right? That's not what Jesus is looking for, but he's going to give us some guidance. He says, this is how you should pray. This is the blueprint. And he starts like this. He says, our Father in heaven hallowed be your name. And if you're taking notes this morning, here's the first phrase that I want you to write down. It's these two words, Holy Father. Holy Father. Jesus starts by saying, Our Father. I want to invite my daughter, Kate, to come up here with me. Kate, will you come up? I don't know uh, if you guys struggle with this, but there are times when I can fall into a pattern of praying to this impersonal being who's somewhere up there in heaven. And by the way, this is my daughter, Kate. I love you, Kate. Do you, do you ever feel that way when you pray? Do you ever just feel like he, he's just, you know, somewhere out there, he's this impersonal being, you can't see him, you can't touch him? But isn't it interesting that of all the titles Jesus could have chosen for the start of this prayer, he chose Father. I mean, he could have chose Lord, he, he could have chosen King, he could have chosen Master, but he doesn't choose any of those. No, he starts with Father. He says, when you pray, recognize this is your Father. And I wonder, do you think about this when you pray? Do you think about this relationship right here? Do you have the mindset of, I'm talking to Dad because I love this. I, I, love what's, I love hearing what's on my kids' hearts. Two of my girls were at Spring Hill Camp this week here at our Noblesville campus. And, and every night they would come home just excited to tell me about what they learned and what they had done. And I was excited to hear it because I, I love interacting with my kids and they love interacting with me. We love spending time together and being with one another. I think Jesus begins this prayer with our Father because God desires for us to relate to him like this right here. You know, we talked a couple of weeks ago about the fact that some of you grew up with angry fathers. You grew up with dads who were not a good example to you of what God is like. And, and we looked at Psalm 145.8 that tells us that God is slow to anger. He's rich in love. He's gracious. He's compassionate. And, and I wonder, is that what you think about when you pray? Is there an element to your prayers that it's like talking to dad? It's maybe like talking to the father that you wish you had had. That's where Jesus starts, and I think that's where we need to start too. Kate, I love you. Thanks for coming up here. Now take notes because there's going to be a quiz at lunch, okay? <laughs> so now I want you to keep that picture of Father in your mind, and I want you to consider Jesus' next words. He says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So there's this relational aspect within our prayers. He's dad, but he's also something very different. He's not like us at all. He, he's not of this earth. He's heavenly. He's set apart. He's above. That word hallowed means holy. He's perfect. He's sinless. In fact, to the point that there's not even the possibility of sin within God. That's how perfect and holy he is. And whenever we get a picture of God in heaven, uh, do you know what we see? It's every living thing around him just bowing down in reverence and awe and worship uh, because he's so holy. They, they can't contain themselves in his presence. They have to worship. They have to give him glory. One of my favorite pictures of this is in the book of Isaiah. It's Isaiah chapter 6. And Isaiah has this vision. And in the vision, he says, I saw the Lord. 
And he, he was high and he was lifted up and he was seated on his throne. And, and the train of his robe was so great that it filled the whole temple. And Isaiah says, I saw these creatures. Uh, they were called seraphim and they had six wings. And with two of their wings, they were covering their faces. And with two of their wings, they were covering their feet. And with two of their wings, they were flying around and they were calling out to each other. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And at the truth of those words, as they shouted that out to one another, it says that the doorposts and the thresholds shook and the whole place was just filled with smoke. And it's just this outpouring of awe and respect and worship for this holy God. And when Isaiah sees this, when he sees God's holiness, he says, woe to me, I am a man of unclean lips and I live amongst a people of unclean lips. See, when Isaiah comes face to face with this holy God, what he recognizes is his own sinfulness. He acknowledges that God is different than him. He is greater. He is purity. He is light. He is above all. And lest we become too casual in our prayers, lest we become too cavalier in our approach to God, Jesus doesn't stop at our Father. He reminds us that God is also heavenly. He is holy. He is hallowed, and he is to be respected and feared. Now, how do we marry those two things? How, how do we take this God who, who is loving, gracious, compassionate, this approachable Father, and, and how do we bring that together with God who is so different than us? He's set apart. He's holy. He's sinless. I think the reason that Jesus tells us to pray this way is because he knows that he's about to pay for that privilege. He knows that through his blood and through his death, we will be made right with God. And because of that, we can approach this holy God as Father. And those two things come together. But let's not forget who this is when we pray. And then Jesus says this in verse 10. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And again, if you're taking notes, the second phrase I want you to write down is this. It's your kingdom your kingdom. Jesus says when we pray, our prayers should have a kingdom focus. He tells us that there's a place called heaven where right now God's will is being done. Things are as they should be in heaven. God is being glorified. He's being worshiped. It's what Isaiah saw in his vision. And Jesus says, pray that it would be like that on earth. Pray, pray that God's kingdom would come to earth. Pray that his will would be done on earth. Is that what we normally think of when we pray? I have a lot of people uh, ask me to pray for different things, things like health and finances and relationship. And again, there's nothing wrong with praying those kinds of prayers unless that's all we're praying for. We're going to see in just a minute that Jesus tells us to pray for our daily needs, but he says a little later in Matthew chapter 6, he says, Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, and then all these other things are going to be added to you. But seek first my kingdom. And I think there's a reason why Jesus tells us to pray about God's kingdom first. A lot of times I, I think there's this mentality of if I can just have everything I'm asking for, if everything in my life could be right, if I could get my relationships right and my finances right, and, and if I could just get all that other stuff in order, then I could seek God's kingdom. Then I could do God's will. And Jesus says, no, you've got that totally backwards. You seek first my kingdom. You seek first my will. And we'll take care of those other things too, but they're not first. My kingdom is first. What are you seeking first when you pray? I got to meet a, a couple a while back, 
and these folks are retired, and they wanted to meet with me, and they wanted me to pray for them. And you know what they asked me to pray for? They wanted me to pray that God would show them how he wanted to use them in retirement. Because even at 70 years of age, this couple was not content to just sit on a beach somewhere and play bingo for the rest of their lives. As a matter of fact, they were fighting tears as they told me about laying in bed at night, just praying, God, show us your will for our lives. Show us how your kingdom can come through us. And I can't tell you how much that meant to me, to see this couple just so desperate to see God's kingdom come through them. I'm sure we could have prayed for all kinds of things. We could have prayed for arthritis or bunions or whatever. <laughs> but you know what? It, that's not what we pray for. It's seek first. It's your kingdom come, your will be done. What kingdom prayers are you praying right now? At Genesis Church, we are absolutely sold out to the mission of helping people find their way back to God. It's what God has called us to do, that we would be ambassadors for Christ. And because of that, we're constantly seeking and praying that God would show us how to reach more, how to love better. It's why a couple of years ago, our lead pastor, Paul Mumaw, laid out this vision, this long-term vision of 20 things in 20 years. What if we could try something new every year to help people find their way back to God, plan a new church, you know, launch a new campus, start new services, do something that allows us to continue to see God's kingdom come. It's why we planted another campus over in Carmel almost two years ago now. And if you're with us uh, this morning and you're new here, maybe uh, you didn't realize that Genesis is one church in two locations. We had several people who were coming from Westfield and Carmel, and, and they, were, they were bought into the vision here, and, and they loved Genesis, but they couldn't get their neighbors to come and to try it for the first time. It was just too far. And so we said, well, if your neighbors won't come to us, then we'll go to them. And we planted a church there, and we've seen that, that campus just flourish. And we're constantly and faithfully praying that God will show us where other campuses should go so that we could bring God's kingdom to other communities as well. It's why we, uh, we helped launch Movement Church in northern Kentucky. When Josh and Heidi Tandy told us that they were leaving to plant this new church, we said, well, okay, uh, but we want in. We want to be a part of that. Because we believe and we see that Movement Church is helping to bring the kingdom of God on earth. It's why we asked several of you to fill out one of these at the end of our, our Follow Me series. Some of you recognize this. Recognize this. It's a, a my one card. Who's your one? Who's the one person that God has put in your life so that you could share the hope of Jesus with them, so that you could see his kingdom come in their life? Have you been faithful to praying for that person? What kingdom prayers are you praying right now? Those of you who are parents or grandparents, are you being faithful toward praying for God's kingdom to come in your kids and in your grandkids? I heard a really cool story uh, about this from a young woman in our church, and, and I want to share that story with you this morning. Check out this video. Um, at one point in my life, in college, I had a friend or a mentor suggest to me that I um, write down words that are characteristics of God that really I felt like really pertain to my life um, and so one of the words that came up to me was the word protection I really felt that God had always um, things in my past I felt like God had protected me and I never really knew why that was it was just something that stood out to me well then um, one time we went up to my grandparents house and my grandpa is a retired pastor and so um, stereotypically he would pray really long prayers before every meal um, and one of the things that and he would kind of go through each family member and pray something specific for each person and for me he just had prayed that I would 
feel protected. And I was just kind of shocked. I was like, oh my gosh, like that's the word that I really felt like was standing out to me. Um, so I thought that was really neat and just really evident that it was my grandpa's prayers that were um, keeping me protected. Throughout, the, um, throughout my life and the various jobs that I've had, um, I realized that my workplace is somewhere that I feel comfortable sharing my faith and being honest with what I believe in about God. And not only did I realize that, but it occurred to me that not everybody feels that way. And I kind of started to wonder, why is that? Like, why do I feel that way? Why do I feel comfortable sharing my faith there um, when other people maybe don't feel comfortable or they feel comfortable in other places that I don't feel comfortable? Um, and it kind of I don't know, after thinking about it for a little while, I, I realized that I remember my grandpa came to visit me one time and um, he, before leaving, was just, he kind of asked at one point how work was going and I told him and he was like, well, Melissa, one thing I, you know, we've always prayed for is that you would feel comfortable sharing your faith at work and that would be a place of ministry for you. And I just can't help but to smile thinking, man, I'm so thankful that um, he's prayed for these random things in my life and I'm so cool to see how they've um, become true and it makes me really thankful for a God that has honored those prayers. power in praying kingdom prayers over our kids and over our grandkids, and we want to help you in this area. And because of that, uh, we have ordered several of these praying circles around your children books, and we want to give this to you uh, this morning. Uh, we'd like to give one of these books to, to every family that's here this morning. As you go out the doors, uh, they'll be at both of the exits. Take one of these for your family and read it and begin praying for God's kingdom to come in your kids or in your grandkids. What if we began praying this prayer every day? And what if we committed to praying for the rest of our lives, God, your will be done, your kingdom come in me today. What could God do with that kind of a heart? Man, let's find out. Let's run after God's kingdom. Let's seek it first. And then Jesus says this in verse 11. He says, give us today our daily bread. I want you to write down the word provision. Just the word provision. It's acknowledging that God is our provider. And isn't it true, isn't it true, that most of us here today don't really need to pray that prayer. Because the truth is, we got a lot of food in our fridge, we got a lot of food in our freezer, we got money in the bank account that we could go out to eat if we don't feel like cooking. But what if God actually answered this prayer? What if he literally only gave us enough food for today? Would that be okay with you? What if God actually answered that prayer? Could you rest trusting that God will provide what you need today and that he'll do it again tomorrow? When we talk about God's provision, one of the passages that always comes to my mind is Proverbs chapter 30, verses 8 and 9. It says this, it says, Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. And there it is again, this idea of just what I need for today, Lord, just what I need for today. Verse 9 says, Otherwise I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. Now we can probably relate with the don't make me poor part of this prayer, right? Nobody wants to be poor. Nobody wants to live in poverty. But he says, Give me neither poverty nor riches. How many of you have ever prayed, God, just don't make me rich. Whatever you do, do not make me rich. 
right? It's, that seems like a funny thing to pray, doesn't it? But, but I think that he says that because there's a danger that comes with riches. The writer says, I, I might have too much and, and disown you and say, who is the Lord? I might view myself more highly than I ought to. And, and I might think of myself as a provider. I might become self-sufficient and say, man, I don't even need God. I've accumulated all of this for myself when really it's God who gives and God who can take away. So Jesus says, when you pray, just pray for your daily bread. Just be satisfied in that. Don't forget that God is the one who provides for you. He knows what you need. He's able to provide it. And then Jesus says this in verse 12. He says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And I want you to write this word down if you're taking notes. It's just the word forgiveness. Forgiveness. You know, we just prayed these words together a little while ago, the, the, the Lord's Prayer. We said that out loud together. Do you realize that what you're asking God when you pray that prayer is you're saying, God, to the same measure that I have forgiven people, that's how I want you to forgive me. Do you realize that, that that's what we just prayed, that, that the people who have wronged me, the people who have done something bad against me, however I forgive them, that's how I want you to forgive me. Forgive me my debts just as I have forgiven others. That's a dangerous thing to pray, isn't it? Is that really what we want? Do we really want God to forgive us the way that we've forgiven others? Why does Jesus say to pray this way? Well, I think he's reminding us of the motivation for our forgiveness of others. Maybe it would help if we reversed that in our minds to say, help us to forgive our debtors as you have forgiven our debts. And how is it that God has forgiven our debts? Well, it's Psalm 103.12. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As far as the east is from the west, those are directions, by the way, not destinations. Okay, you can't measure that. You can't measure how far that is. So many times I think people pray with, with a heart that's like, uh, God, forgive me my debts as I have forgiven my debtors, except I'm still kind of angry at them and I'm really pretty bitter and I kind of hope they die or at least that bad things will happen to them. But, but God, forgive me my debts even though I'm not forgiving them. Why would we think that's okay? Why would we think that God would honor a prayer like that? Don't forget that your motivation for forgiving others is Jesus' forgiveness of you, his complete east from west forgiveness of you. And Jesus gives us this prayer to remind us of our need for that forgiveness and our need to share it with others. Listen, if you're struggling in this area of forgiveness, we spent a whole morning just talking about the topic of forgiveness. You can go to genesischurch.me, click on the podcast link, and look up that message on forgiveness. It may be something that, that you need to sit down. You need to open the word of God and just pray, Father, find me humble. Lead me by your spirit. Show me where I've gotten this wrong and allow him to do a work inside of you. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive. And then verse 13, Jesus closes with this. He says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And the last word I want you to write down is the word deliverance. Deliverance. I listen to a call-in show on Moody Radio sometimes where people can call in and they can ask questions about the Bible. And one of the questions that actually gets asked on a pretty frequent basis uh, is based off of this verse. People say, why would God, why, why would he lead us into temptation? Why should we pray that he wouldn't lead us into temptation? And the explanation that's given for that verse is that the heart of the verse is, is not that God leads us into temptation, but rather that we should pray, God, don't let us be led into temptation. 
temptation. Don't, don't, let, me be, uh, don't let me get so, so casual about sin. Don't let me get so close to the line that I actually can't even tell where the line is anymore. Make me aware. Make me alert. Don't let me be led astray. Because he, he then goes to point out, you know, he says, deliver us from the evil one. We have an enemy. We have one who wants to lead us astray. Or maybe you grew up just simply saying, deliver us from evil. And I wonder, is that your heart today? Do you desire to be delivered from evil? Because I'm afraid that sometimes, again, we say those words, but, but our actions don't really show that, that that's what we're pursuing or that that's what we're desiring. It's just empty words spoken to God. Our actions don't line up with, with what we're saying. Why is that? You know, Francis Chan is, a, is an author, and he's a, a pastor that I listen to sometimes, and uh, he gives an illustration where he talks about a guy from his church who uh, had a son who was making all kinds of bad decisions, and, and the, the dad wanted to, to just sit down with his son and, and to try to diagram out uh, for his son what was going on so that he could maybe correct his poor behavior. And so he drew a diagram that looked something like this. Can you all see that? And he said, son, listen, this is your life. And, and it's like you're going down this path, and you're doing good, you're doing good, and then you come to this crossroad, and you've got a choice to make. And you can, either, you can either go the wrong way, go to the left, go the wrong way, or you can go the right way. Why do you keep choosing to go the wrong way? Just go down the good path. If you go down the good path, I'm going to be happy, mom's going to be happy, God's going to be happy, ultimately you're going to be happy. Quit going down the wrong path. And the son looked at that diagram and he said, well, dad, that's a, that's a pretty good diagram, but there's, there's one thing that needs to be changed. And he took the diagram and he turned it sideways like this. And he said, because what happens is I, I get going down the path and I come to the crossroads and I see that there's a bad way and I see that there's a good way, but, but the bad way is so much easier. Like I got to climb uphill to go the good way. And so I just decide to go the easy way. And I get about here, and I know it was wrong to go this way, but, but I go anyway, and I get about here, and I realize, man, this isn't where I want to be. This isn't the way that I want to be going, but now i got to climb all the way up here just to get to where I started, and then i still got to climb all the way up here. And so I say, forget it. I'm just going to go the wrong way. And for some of you, this illustrates your life perfectly. For some of you here today, you've been choosing this path this wrong way path your whole life just because it's easier. And Jesus says that when we pray, we should pray to be delivered from evil. But, but do you really desire that? Because, because it's not the easy way. It's not the path of least resistance. And maybe some of you find yourselves so far down this path and you're thinking, man, I don't even know how I got down here. I mean, I, I was just going to have a couple of drinks and, and now I'm drinking all the time. I'm addicted. I can't stop. How did I get so far down this path? I mean, I was just going to look at, at one website and now I'm looking at garbage on the internet all the time that's, that's not pleasing to God. It's not honoring to my wife. How did I get so far down this path? I mean, it was just a casual relationship in the office and, and now I'm thinking about what I'm going to wear so he'll notice me and he's asking me to come to his house when his wife's not home. How did I get so far down this path. And some of you find yourself so far down that path that you don't even know how to get back up. And I want you to know this morning that Jesus came to save you from all of that. 
He came to save you from all of that. He came to give you a different life, a different nature. It's like that old person is gone. The new person has come. And maybe you've been listening to us talk about prayer these last few weeks and you've been trying it, but but you feel like nothing's working. Listen, I want you to know it has to start with a relationship. It has to start with a relationship. Think about it. You don't just call a random number and start, you know, throwing up all of the details of your life to the person on the phone. You don't walk down the street to some random door and just knock and like, hey, I'm Barry. Let me tell you what's going on in my life. It shut the door in your face, right? Jesus isn't asking us, you know, to just check in with him once in a while. He is desiring, he isn't desiring for us just to come to him when life's falling apart, although that's a great place for the relationship to start. He's desiring that out of that relationship, we would be consistent in praying to him some of these long-term prayers. Holy Father, your kingdom, provision, forgiveness, deliverance, relationship is what that prayer is born out of. And some of you, you're just doing this random check-in thing with God. You know, when life gets hard or things aren't making sense, but you're not surrendered to his will in your life. That's where it's got to start. You're not in that right relationship with him. And maybe you're thinking, man, you don't know the stuff I've done. You don't know how far down that path I've gone. God does not want to be in a relationship with me. Let me tell you something. The whole reason that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross was so that he could be in a relationship with you. It's why Romans 5.8 tells us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we were so far down that path that we could never get back up, Christ died for us. And the blood of Jesus washes you clean. Listen, you know how, uh, you know how on your computer, when you're, when you're on the internet, at the top, there's a button that says history. You know what I'm talking about? And if you click that, there's a drop-down menu. And there's an option that says delete all history. Some of you know that button really well. I mean, let's just be honest, you know, we, we want to hide from, from what we've done, from where we've been, from what we've seen. I want to tell you something. God is offering to you right now to delete all history. He, he's saying, I could push that button for you right now. I've done everything necessary to wash you clean, to get rid of that past. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how far down that path that you've gone. That's why I sent my son to forgive you and to save you from your sin. But he doesn't stop there. No, he says he's going to put his spirit inside of us and his spirit is going to give us the power so that we can get all the way up to where God wants us to be. And I know that some of you have prayed the Lord's Prayer your whole life, but you've never experienced that power because you are not submitted to his will in your life. You're not surrendered to God. But I'm telling you, it can be different today. Romans 10, 9 says that if we believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, that we will be saved. And we would love to talk to you more this morning about what a relationship, what a right relationship with the Lord looks like. I'm going to be up here after the service. Our prayer team's going to be up here. If you feel the Spirit drawing your heart out of the path, out of the wrong path that you've been on, and into that right relationship, don't leave today without taking care of business. We'll help you take those next steps. But maybe some of you, uh, you're in a relationship with Christ. You know, you, you've experienced His saving power, but over the course of the last few weeks, you realize that there's something lacking in your communication with God. Even today, maybe you're recognizing that your prayers aren't really consistent with the model that Jesus has given. Maybe it's about praying for, for God's kingdom above your own kingdom. Maybe it has to do with, with forgiving someone. Whatever it might be, maybe this morning it's time to just confess that to Him. Father, I see that, that I've been praying pretty selfishly. 
praying for my own kingdom, praying for my own forgiveness when I'm not giving it to someone else, seeking to provide for myself and not relying on your provision. Maybe this morning it's time to confess that and just to ask him by the power of his spirit to help you pray his word. Holy Father, your kingdom, your provision, forgiveness, and deliverance. And when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Will he find it in you? Will he find it in me? I hope so. Let's pray together. Holy Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We love you, Father. We thank you for Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.